1: Your whole mandate is to explore your own needs and wants and, and what you are about. If you don't do that, you can't be a good kinkster because you don't know yourself and what you need. How can you know someone else and what they need and how can you be compatible if you don't know what your actual identity is? So it's it's really geared towards figuring all that shit out. Even if you're not a kinky person, there's a lot of things to learn from dynamics and kinks.
0: Welcome back to Open Late. I am your host, Jessica Spandiart, and this is a Soulfire production. You guys, you loved the funny Dom so much, um, episode 31 from a few weeks back, that I decided to have him back on the show and record a QA session. The questions have been popping in all week, and I am really excited for this. This is Open Late's first QA. Um, and no one better to do it with. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Funny Dom.
1: (laughs) Hi, Jessica. Thanks for having me back. Um, Yeah, I had a lot of fun the first time, and I love doing Q&As. I do them uh, weekly uh, on my own page. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. This will be fun.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for coming back. For those of you who didn't catch the episode um, the funny dom is, you know, a content creator and educator, really in the kink space, um, and specifically on the dynamics of dominant and submissive containers. Um, and so, a lot of the questions will kind of lend in that space. And I'm sure our conversation, our discussion, will go lots of different places. But if you are interested in the first conversation, then definitely go check out episode 31. But I'm going to dive right in. I think that one of the most common questions that i got and there were about five or six questions that asked this in this you know in one way or another is how do you start out you know um there were a couple people who were already in relationships and they are maybe craving more of a dominant submissive dynamic and they're like how do i open up to my partner about this um i've been dropping hints about it, and they're maybe not picking up what I'm putting down um was one of the questions and um maybe if you can start with that, I'll pop a few of the other questions in there if we don't cover it
1: sure um I think generally this kind of thing is one of the reasons why I started doing um this um whatever the, whatever this is <laughs> this 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 having this kind of outlet or this kind of representation of myself um online because i started doing memes because i was seeing kind of funny um accessible memes about things that um it really seemed to help uh discussion and just representation and and that might be another way i i've heard, had messages from people before that have told me that they they use my memes to start conversations so they will send a particular meme to their partner and be like question mark that's all they'll say because it's basically like what about this you know there's something in that meme whether it's a type of play or a type of dynamic or or a direct kind of reference to a task or a punishment and they can use that as a fun shorthand because often the memes are kind of funny or or kind of silly or entertaining so a lot of it is about taking the tension out and remembering that this is a fun playful thing and if you do mm. want to start a relationship dynamic, then obviously that is quite serious. It's important to, um, treat it, you know, as a, as a serious thing, but it's, it also is a fun thing. So I think a lot of it is taking the tension out. So maybe I would say to keep it a fun way, have a look at, um, my, my memes on my page and pick one out that you like and just, yeah, send it to your partner. Um, and ask them what they think about it, and that at least will start a conversation about the general topic, and that might naturally lead into like, Have you ever done something like that, and i, I have thought about it. And, you know, And then you just naturally find yourself with a plan to try something out.
0: yeah, I think this is brilliant. Just pretty much leave the heavy lifting up to the funny dom
1: <laughs> well, I am a service but I- so I like to lift heavy things for others. <laughs>
0: Yeah. No, I think I this is, I would have never thought of this honestly, but it's kind of a no brainer. It's a really good way to break the ice and keep things light as you're saying. And you said this back in our first episode together, you know, kink space can seem really heavy, but you obviously being the funny Dom like to bring the levity back to it. And I think that's so important um, because thinking about being on the receiving end of that for myself, Um, I know that a lot of times I bring these conversations to my husband and I'm like, let's talk about this. And he's always like, I have no idea what you're going to say next. Um, And sometimes things can feel like there's a lot of pressure, but your memes are so funny. So what I'm hearing is just send a text message that's like, what do you think about this? Um, And it really puts the ball in their court, but without a lot of pressure.
1: Yeah, exactly. If you treat it as a, we have something to talk about that does make most people anxious but if you treat it as an opportunity the same way you would if a movie came out that you really wanted to see and you might send your partner the trailer for the film be like friday night (laughs) you know it's a tense issue like you might want to you just want to start the conversation and and if you do want to engage in an actual kind of um fundamental dynamic so you actually want to add this to your relationship and that that's a work in progress that's something to like to kind of talk to eventually but um, right off if you really have no idea where they stand with this kind of thing then I think something a bit light-hearted or even then watching a movie together like the new Netflix movie that uh, Love and Leashes was very sweet or the classic mm. um, Secretary with Maggie Gyllenhaal like if you just kind of like watch one of those movies so you can kind of talk about it to kind of gauge their kind of you know positional attitudes and it really is a conversation and a lot of people if you haven't thought about it a lot or you haven't engaged in it or have much experience you haven't thought about it enough to really decide what you think you just have general like oh I don't know about that or that's strange isn't it like you don't really have your own opinion yet until you start engaging with it so it's really just starting the conversation and it's a fun conversation.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, you can think that you know what you like or what you want, but until you actually do it, you can't really form an opinion because you're sort of just uh, judging someone else's experience um, that you've either heard of or seen. Yeah.
1: Unfortunately, how most people live, I feel like most people are in their lifestyle, um, especially sexually, are really just giving themselves what they feel is the normal thing. Um, and treating that as what is good and they're not really consciously trying to explore what they like and and really trying to make that the priority and I think that's a huge huge problem in all relationships like whether it's vanilla or kink I think that's a big big thing and it's a thing that we we kind of like fundamentally rail against in kink because your whole mandate is to explore your own needs and wants and, and what you are about. And if you don't do that, you can't be a good kinkster because you don't know yourself and what you need. How can you know someone else and what they need and how can you be compatible if you don't know what your actual identity is? So it's it's really geared towards figuring all that shit out. Um, so even if you're not um, a kinky person, there's a lot, of, a lot of things to learn, I think, from dynamics and kink.
0: Absolutely. And just to kind of touch on what you were saying, it's so interesting that you know, I think that still as a concept or as you know, a way of of lifestyle or sex style, whatever you want to call it, um, kink is sort of seen as alternative or, you know, fringe or just this, you know this other thing. But when you really pull people and look at what kink is and everything that it encompasses because it's so much, it's like the majority of people. Are kinky in some way. They maybe just don't know it, or they're not identifying that way, or they're not um, exploring or practicing. And so then they don't think that they are. But deep down, I think almost everyone is. I mean, I did some polls before we did this episode, and sure, a lot of people that, you know, listen to my content or follow me my, might already because they are in those realms. But Um, I have a lot of followers who are monogamous and who don't identify that way. And it was overwhelming. It was like 93% of people said that they want kinkier sex. Um, Yeah. And I pulled my group um, or I, I got some, a lot of responses from people who follow my other work, you know, the journey that's not really focused on polyamory or open relationships too. And so that was very telling, even for me, which I'm already like, everybody's kinky, but I was like, wow, everybody really is kinky um, maybe just not practicing.
1: I think it's what it stands for as well. So, I mean, I I wouldn't hazard to, um, believe that, you know, 93% of people are full actual, like, you know, submissives or dominance or switches or, you know, pets or whatever their identity is. But I think 93% of people, if not a hundred percent definitely want more, um, exploring. They definitely want more communication. They definitely want more intensity more connection and these are all like the absolute fundamentals of uh, of dynamic mm-hmm. relationships and i think that's what people are drawn to they just have what whatever the relationship they have whatever they've experienced is not that it's not very trusting it's not very connected it doesn't value communication and this does and so it's very it's very attractive just fundamentally if on top of that you like being restrained and 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 spanked or clamped or, you know, verbal degradation and all these things and they just start you know, then yeah, that's the rabbit Oh me? <laughs> <I'm
0: just kidding>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see your eyes lightening up as I started listening.
0: <laughs> like I need some water already. Okay. I oh.
1: have to forgive my morning voice too. I've got a little bit um of morning voice us Um I'm in a hotel room. Well, so- you
0: sound lovely.
1: <laughs> okay, good.
0: Um okay so maybe to dig a little bit deeper into this sort of beginner idea right where can i start how do i first open up to my partner about it once maybe you know you can identify that your partner is interested what are the important things to discuss um was a was a question and it kind of came up in two different ways but what are the important questions to ask what are the topics to cover when you are entering into a dynamic where, you know, you're going to have one person be dominant and one person submissive. And this was both questions were from the point of view of people who identified as submissive. So I thought that was interesting too.
1: Yeah, I I think if they're in relationships already, I would say it's kind of similar to the way you vet a partner. So if you're not in a relationship and you're um, considering starting one with a new partner, um, or maybe someone who, yeah, possibly is a partner but you haven't had a dynamic relationship with, we call that vetting. So you vet your partner. It's like a kind of critical, um, practical way to um, ascertain if they're a good compatible match for you and if they're a safe prospect for you, just practically. And vetting is a thing that really should happen 100% of the time. It doesn't. It doesn't happen enough. And often people that have bad experiences um, haven't vetted an, enough. Uh, obviously, not that it's ever anyone's fault when they have a bad experience, but I think we we have a real problem with bad, you know, bad players and um, bad practice in. I would say kink, but I would just say in terms of sex, society mm-hmm. does, and it is a largely gendered problem. I get a lot of like, oh, what about the the femme subs or what about the femme doms that do X? I'm like, yeah, 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 but this is a massively male problem. There's a lot of um, abusers and exploiters and if you do good vetting practices, you weed those out like a a vast majority of the time because they can't stand up to smart questions um, because they're fakes and they're not real and they're not authentic um, and they're not patient or compassionate and they don't have any experience. So, if you're in a relationship, I would say vetting is still what you want to do. It's just a different kind of vetting. It is still asking each other questions and sharing um It's talking about experiences and it's talking about preferences, what you are into. It's about making some uh, lists together. If you're a couple, you could do it together, which makes a very kind of connected experience and it doesn't matter if you haven't had experiences already it's about writing that down what you might want to try, you know, your kind of like limits are kind of in three kind of brackets for me. You kind of put down what you are kind of into, what you like, and your soft limits and your hard limits. And your soft limits are things that you might not have tried, but you're really curious about. Um, you just wouldn't jump right into, you know, and that might just be a comfort thing or there might be some some trauma there, but you know, you you're still kind of interested in it. And a hard limit is a just absolute not into it. You don't need to justify it. That's the big thing. It's not there to be challenged. Limits are not there to be pushed. Any kind of dominant who says that is wrong. Um, they're there to be respected. So a hard limit is literally I'm not into it for whatever reason. You can put anything in that list. Um, and if you kind of put those together, each, um, together the couple, um, and share and talk about it, that's already kind of getting towards a practical step of like okay well what's some things that we can do together um and that's kind of what vetting is with a new partner so i think you can kind of follow a similar kind of track with a known partner it really is just based on honesty and trust and just kind of incremental steps you know um mm. and and starting out forms of play and little things before you go right into a you know 24/7 you know, slave dynamic, like just don't leap before you can, you know, you know, walk and run.
0: Yeah. Get your sea legs under you.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's a lot. It's a, there's a lot here and that's why it's interesting. It's really fascinating. Um, but you want to start with people how to start where well, you start, you know, you pick somewhere really, you've got to choose the beginning is just the beginning, but you do have to start with some steps. And often it's really just Mm. conversation and people get stuck at the first bit, which is how do I do this? And really, nine times out of 10, the answer is you have a conversation and you, you really need to just look at whether you're avoiding the answer, which is having a conversation. If you can't have a conversation with your partner, if it really is that uncomfortable, not awkward, not a little bit nerve wracking, but really deeply uncomfortable, then there's another problem with this relationship and kink is not the answer. Because if you can't talk to your partner about something like this at all, if it's really hard, then this is not a good relationship to add something that needs communication to. You need to get that communication worked out, I would say, first um, and then start doing something like this.
0: Yeah, that's an excellent point. And I think that this is why exploring your sexuality in any realm is always going to help you. I think either deepen your, you know, ability to communicate with your partner and bring you closer, or it's going to point out some very obvious, um, sort of bumps in the road or red flags even that you might have in this relationship. And so whether it's kink or polyamory, I think if there's a big hesitation or feeling like communicating your needs is going to bring the house down, um, great, because then you're like, okay, this gives me kind of a clear picture, which maybe you needed to see. But a lot of people will sort of push those things under the rug, which is why I think exploring this stuff is so valuable. Um,
1: And if it goes well, it might be a really good affirmation that your communication or your relationship is stronger than you feared it was. Because this is like a, this is a big test, um if things mm-hmm. aren't good or if things are good, if if you can have this conversation and it actually goes better than you feared, then things are doing better. There's more kind of hope for for that kind of trust. so I, I have heard from people who have said, like you know, yeah, things were struggling, um, and we started doing this together, and it helped kind of rebuild or it helped um, kind of build out how connected we were. And I think that that is a thing that happens. I, I don't think it's as common as, a, as a, we would want it to be. But I think what is common is people not trying. People like holding back or keeping it to themselves and just going on for whether it's, you know, weeks, months or years, just kind of putting part of themselves on the shelf. And that's hot. that's not an answer. That is never an answer for anyone, for any kind of. Identity or orientation, or or it's just an interest, like whatever it is, it, it, don't put something away and repress it because you don't know what someone else's reaction will be. Like never do that. No matter what their reaction is, you need to like express yourself and represent who you are and what you you know need, and that's the most important thing. Whatever else happens after that will happen, but you will be still better off.
0: Yeah. Wow, so beautifully said. Take yourself off the shelf, ladies and gents, <laughs> and everything in between. Yeah. Um, okay. So we—it's interesting that you said don't dive right into the deep end, right? Start, start small, and figure things out, and and build on that. Um, I did have someone who asked the question though. What are your thoughts on formal training oh. or a submissive?
1: um well it depends on what the training is um i i think formal training is is good it really depends on who's doing it you can do elements of training in workshops with kind of professionals you can do training sometimes at um venues like at, a, at your local um dungeon um or like kink you know kink centric kind of parlor sometimes they they'll have training um, you know events or or options they might have just a, the ability to kind of work under someone um, that kind of thing all four I think that's not done enough uh, online workshops can be great definitely worth it not enough people doing those um, rope like shibari courses and training I think that's an excellent fundamental thing that uh, sub or dom should do if we're talking about formal training within ds so being trained by a partner that's a whole separate thing so that's really your partner doing a a kind of custom training for them so your dominant will train you really to be the perfect what they see as the perfect fit for them so what they like what protocols they want so you're being trained to be the perfect server it's a very kind of service orientated often very protocol-driven, so you can focus on um, classic positions um, and um, um, service-type routines like, you know, the serving of coffee or morning routine, how um, your dominant wants to be woken up by you, which could be, you know, with breakfast or with coffee or it could just be on your knees wearing something or nothing, just waiting for instruction. Um, It could be really, it could be anything, Um, but training usually takes those things into account, and often will, it should also take in good self-care and uh, your routine. So you might be being trained to, you know, to get better sleep and to take better care of yourself and to get your personal goals, you know, achieved. Um, So all of that is within a relationship and is kind of like very kind of formal, very power exchange-driven. Outside of that the kind of workshop staff and the learning, I think that is almost more important for a submissive. If we're looking at someone who's newer, um, that would be ideally what you've done already. If you're going to start being trained by a dominant personally, it would be ideal for you to have done a little bit of learning and and it can be just, you know, know, I've talked to people who just online, they've just been engaging with kink for, you know, 6 to 12 months but they're doing it with a kind of driven passion. So they're reading, they're listening, they're talking to people. They're taking it in and thinking about it actively, regularly. They're really trying to like figure out what where they are on the kind of spectrum of submissive and then they want to then start engaging tangibly. Um that is educating. Um the more the better. You know, I'm not going to judge and go, oh, that's not enough or, you know, you know, gatekeeping is not I think great there's just kind of safekeeping you know and the safe way is to educate as much as you can um, before you really engage so um, yeah do do training do learning and then if you want to do the training in a relationship that's great Um, just make sure you're in a good place for it and that the relationship is healthy and has a good built level of trust Um, for a dominant to be training a submissive, that's very, it's almost like going steady a little bit, I would say, you know. Yeah. It's kind of very escalating, you know, to really start like a formal training. It's like, oh, I'm training you for a role. I'm training you to be my submissive. So that's quite, you know, if, if some dominant is like you're two weeks into a relationship and they're going, oh, I want to formally train you, I would be a little bit, I'd have some questions. I'd want to make sure everything was okay with that. So it really depends. But um, generally, training, education, great, of course.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's that's what I first thought of when I read this question of like, I wonder if that would feel, you know, questionable to me. At first when I thought of it, I was like, training, who needs training, you know? And I love you going into the education about it um, because I think that you can enter into this from all sides, right? You can, you know, enter in with having no idea at all, and just have really great conversations with your partner, and build on your own. Or, like you're saying, take classes and things like that. That would feel really good for me. Um, I'm a lover of learning, so the idea of just like absorbing things and going to workshops and putting myself in those um, spaces, uh, I guess, in some way, helps me feel like I still have some control of like this aspect of my life, um which I really like personally
1: that's good when it's education based that level of control is awareness, really that's a healthy level of yeah. control that we should all have. We should all be very aware of what's happening, then you can give tangible control over then you can you, the more you are aware, the more the power exchange that d s is built on is healthy. so if you know very right. little about d s and you do full power exchange where you're totally objectified, um, then that's, I don't think that's healthy because you're not really aware of what you're partaking in. Um, and if the other person is more aware, then you've got an actual power imbalance that can be abusive, you know, that can be very, very dangerously risky. So awareness is huge. So, um, yes, everyone should be trying to get as aware as possible. And that's why I think another reason why I started doing this because I didn't see more options and I didn't see, you know, what do I want to see around me? And if I saw another male uh, dom like doing kind of lighthearted things but also meaningful conversation, I would be I'd be like, oh, my God, yes, yes, that, <laughs> I need that. So, uh, I think that's one reason why i 've been doing this is to kind of be which is where my whole daddy thing comes from as well is is being raised without um a father figure you become what you needed and what you want to give back, and that 's kind of like what this service is for me and what the mm. the identity is for me is to become what I actually didn't have and what I have in like on one level become because of that.
0: Wow, thank you for sharing that. Um it's always so interesting to to find out someone's why. Um and yours is so pure. Um okay, so one more question to round out maybe the beginner sort of focused questions that came in. It's um if you are a beginner and you don't have a partner but you want to engage, right? Where's a good place and a safe place? Cuz I think we're talking about safety a lot here to, you know, Find other people to potentially find a partner, you know, or just like play partners to start to explore this side of your sexuality with.
1: Mm. Um, I mean, well, that really is very region based, so it's hard to give a exact answer because I have no idea where that person lives. But but I would mm-hmm. say that most places, if they have a city nearby, like you have a decent population, they have some kind of scene which, and and kink scenes can, you know, ideally are kind of well um, managed, you know, there's a kind of culture of accountability. So you have a little bit of safety just generally by being in the scene. Um, again, this is very like, this is what the hope is. There'd be scenes that are terrible, just like everything. But um, I would say getting into that scene, which is really just a community. So finding a munch, munches are very wholesome Meetups of people who are into kink. There's no play or anything spicy about it or anything scary. It's usually just like a lunch or a dinner or a, or a drink. Or we we held one um a few months ago and we it was just like a picnic in a park. Um, so I would say getting along to those and meeting people is is really the only way to you know make local friendships and also to possibly meet someone without it being that detached online kind of meeting where you just don't know who that person is at the end of the day. Um, If you want to engage, then you have to engage. So you've got to find a a munch um, and then often by talking to people at munches, they might tell you about other events and just, you know, two or three things in, other doors open. And one of the people I'm talking to on my, because on my Patreon, I do like coaching and peer support and things. And one of the people I was talking to when I started talking to her, um, and this is not because of me, this is her own track where she was going. I just got to go along for the ride. She hadn't been to any events or much or anything, and she had the sweetest, subbiest voice and nerves about it. And it was just very, it was very, very sweet. And then within two or three months, she was like, oh, my God, I've just gone to my fifth event. I have a rope. Second rope class, tomorrow night I have this play session arranged. She just crossed all these thresholds and was having all this experience because she she went to that first much, you know, and, that, mm-hmm. and she talked to someone and they were like, oh, I know this rope class. And then she went to the rope class. And that usually is how it goes. So um, I would say find your local scene. Um, if you have to travel a bit to get to that local scene, then you're going to have to travel a bit. This is just the reality. Um, and yeah, and talk to people, make some friends. It's really, it's really pretty, pretty simple.
0: Yeah. And we all are kind of just normal people (laughs) that are engaging in this, which I think is what people really forget because everything seems so scary. And then I, I felt that way in my first kind of steps into the non-monogamy scene and going to like sex parties where I was like, oh my God, this is going to be like all about sex and I'm so inexperienced. I'm like, oh my God, these people are amazing. They're dorky like me. They have regular jobs. They're just living their life, but they also like this. Um, And so, yeah, I highly encourage like getting out there, even if it is scary. And, you know, as we were talking about ways to educate yourself earlier or training, um, you know, I find that if you take a workshop, right? and it's online and there's like an online community for it, that's a really good place to engage other people. If it's, you know, um, anything from Tantra to ropes, like you're saying, um, you can find other people who are interested in these things in an online space if you're not ready to like go to an actual public meetup or if you can't because you're um, limited by location. So yeah, there's multiple ways to... um, Get out there. And then I always mention Field because it's really the only app that I ever found that worked well for me. But there are apps for people who are interested in, you know, all different types of sex and sexuality that are focused on kink or non monogamy. Um, And I don't know if you've ever found any that are good, but, you know, Fields is a good one. It's F E E L D.
1: I am actually using Um, Field now mm -hmm. myself. I I had been on Hinge a little bit, um, which is a sort of standard dating app, and I would be like my profile would be make kink references right away and I would immediately when I said hello to people say that I was uh, a dominant and sometimes people would immediately back away and other times people would be like, Oh great, I'm what a refreshing you know, up front I'm a total sub and then we'd have a conversation. Um but yeah, field mm. seems a lot more open and alternative and there's people on there that are Polly and non-monog and uh into whatever they're into, they're more up front and I've already had a few conversations on there. So yeah, Field is Field is a good one if you're in for dating. I I would say people that want to engage and start they go to dating and experience too quickly as a general rule. So I would say try and make friends first before you start dating. Um try and get some community connection before you have a relationship connection um it's just better for you and and really just gives you a bit more of a you know grounding kind of start where you're not putting all of your your identity for whatever you are and your place in the community has nothing to do with a partner you know they're two separate things but if you start with a partner they represent your engagement in kink and that's like crazy you know that's like Someone does not represent you know a part of you; they are them, you know, so you have to like get a little bit of ownership on yourself first before you start engaging with someone else, otherwise the stakes are just too high, it's just not healthy, especially for a sub who already wants to give a lot, you know um so yeah, try and um try and connect first and and make some friends and and have some kind of place and then kind of find um. A partner, whether it's for play or an actual kind of escalating relationship, like whatever it could be.
0: Yeah. Wow. That is so wise. I literally wrote it down. I was jotting it down while you were saying it, make friends first, but it makes so much sense, um, which I've never really thought about it that way. How your whole identity will be wrapped up. Well, you know, your sexual identity in relationship to this new journey is wrapped up in a relationship rather than in your own exploration. Um heard that one loud and clear. Okay. So I'm gonna kind of pivot here because I thought that this was a really cool question. Um, and not something that we've really ever talked about on this show. Um, but one of my listeners said that, you know, the kink space, it seems very thin focused, right? Whether um, you know, it was meaning that a lot of submissives seem thin. Um, at least that's what the question seemed like in the, the limited characters, right, that we have on Instagram, which is where this came from. Um, but she wanted to know, do you know any other cis male types that prefer curvier partners or curvier subs?
1: it's um, an interesting question. I think, first of all, definitely this is true, that just like with anything, there is a uh, an inclusion problem. Um, and a lot of the imagery that I use is um, most of the time it's from movies and pop culture. So it will automatically um, be very mainstream. And so it will suffer from this problem, among others. Um, I think, in terms of just general kink, like, you know, body types and all that kind of thing, I, I think a lot of it is not, it is just a media or a portrayal issue. Like if you're seeing a lot of representation online, that's what you're going to see. If you go to an actual event, or if you again, if you engage with the community and meet people, you see all the body types that we have as people. There is not these cliched standards. If all you're looking at is um, these generic black and white, you know, fifty sh- post Fifty Shades kink imagery that is all over the internet, and it's the same BS all the time. Then that's not what events look like. That's not what people look like. You know, um, you'll see everything if you go to an event. And that's why it's so validating just to go to those things because you'll see. Uh, I remember seeing like a, a six foot two or six foot three, um, um, male in, um, a full cheerleader, um, like outfit, uniform, and, um, He, they, I don't, I don't know, I don't know them, so I, you know, I can't be sure, I can't presume, but they had their the skirt, the little skirt was kind of tucked in to show a bit more cheek, and it looked very intentional. So I feel like they either were into some like you know humiliation thing or a bit of exhibitionism, or they were being punished by having to show a bit more. Like you don't know, you could just you just kind of like skipped past me, but just like seeing that kind of thing, the like, guy, you know, wow, and then seeing partners on leads um, and just everything, you know. I mean, even my, myself, like in terms of the s- spectrum, my dynamic connection is kind of my priority. So I have like partners that have no similarity in body type, you know. Um, I remember uh, being in a relationship with a, a six-foot, um, she was six-foot-four, I think, six-foot-four, six-foot-two brat. And she was such a brat, you know, and I'm 5'10". So even that is like not a conventional physical dynamic. You know, you don't see that. You don't see like very, very tall women um, as submissives, you know. And But that was the reality. I had absolutely no, that was not like an issue or an unattractive thing at all. It was nothing to do with that. Um, so I think the reality is just not what you're seeing. And are, are there doms who like, Um, you know, thicker or curvier absolutely. I'm one of them. Like I've had partners that with, with the thickness. uh, I think um, there's many. It's just you don't really want to look for the doms that like that. You want to go and see that if that's you, you want to see yourself represented in the subs. So um, don't look for like one dom who likes that. Look for yourself um, and know that you are one of like many and you are normal there's not like you're an alternative or you're some strange thing that you have to find the one person who's into like that's not at all true right yeah if people feel this way if you haven't been to an event i think that would be a really good thing for you to go to an actual um like kink event um whether it's a munch or like a big one you know there's sometimes there's like big parties that might have a hundred or several hundred people there and you'll just see everyone you'll see you know, lingerie kind of uh, model types might be walking around. You might see some tiny, um, you know, schoolgirl kind of role-playing subs. You know, you might see a big German (laughs) looking like dong. You might see a lot of cliches, but you'll also see everything in between and and lots of Mm -hmm. types that you didn't even know about. And everyone will be the same and everyone will be part of the scene and as valid as everyone else. And you'll realize that that was that that perception is is just this like media you know, societal thing that we all kind of are plagued by.
0: Yeah, totally. It's quite beautiful. I remember the first time I went to a really big party, and just kind of it was almost overwhelming how many different types of people, old, young, all different types of sexual orientations represented and identities. And, um, yeah, in fact, that's one of the things that I took away from it in the beginning where I was like, wow, okay. There, this isn't just some sort of, I don't know, cause I used to have a lot of shame and I was like feeling like very, maybe this is a young thing and, you know, want to be like deviant or whatever, but it's like, no, this is everybody. So I'm excited for you. Um, I know who this question is from, so I can't wait until you start exploring uh, this for yourself and see yourself in these spaces. Yeah.
1: If they go to attend rope workshops, I find you see very, and, and because it's very, people are usually being very judged much themselves. If you do like rope classes, you, you meet like very different types and body types, and rope often has to take that into account in order to work you know and so that's a thing that is a good way of um of seeing that in action um so that might be a good way to do it because then you're learning something as well
0: yeah Hmm. okay cool let's talk a little bit about more your (laughs) talk a little bit more about your life as you mentioned you had some subs you know that were curvier and all different types and taller um, because we have some questions that are for you specifically in your kind of life. How many subs do you have at once? Or I guess in general at any given time,
1: it does vary at any given time right now. uh, I get questions like, like that a lot and I usually just go with that. Well, right now, <laughs> um, right now I have two partners, um, one, um, in the local area in Melbourne, where I live, and another interstate who I'm actually visiting while I'm on like a little bit of a holiday right now, I just saw last night um and I am speaking to engaging with someone um online, and we are kind of entering into a distance dynamic, which is a thing that I haven't really done before um in terms of like formally and and that it might be because she's um in the States, um it might be a built kind of distance relationship, you know, because that's the practical reality and we, we don't know if we're going to be in the same country or hemisphere, you know, in the in the near future. So um so that's kind of a new ish thing for me. Um but we've just connected and connected really well. So, you know, that's happening. So I would say um yeah two Two right now and um and with a a distance kind of dynamic because I kind of see them as slightly different, um, but I do think yeah they're all partners, so uh at any time it can real it can be yeah one or two it can be seven i I did have a frenzy time in my uh like you know year one year two where I did um yeah it was like seven or nine or something which does sound a bit crazy. But um, these are kind of very dynamic relationships. So they were built purely on dynamic. I think it really comes down to energy and what your needs are. So, um, you know, I'm poly. If I have a relationship that's more relationship escalation based, you know, um, that does obviously take up energy and time and having, you know, eight dynamic partners and then one other partner who who it might be more kind of you know enmeshed um that's not really practical so you know it all kind of like plays off each other and to do with where you're at and all that so um i don't know if that did yeah. i answer the question it was a little bit tangenty
0: <laughs> it does no and well it was i was thinking about our previous conversation because this i sort of asked this question so it's you know similar answer there was a follow-up here That was, you know, are you polyamorous, which you just shared? um, That that is how you, you know, identify. So the question was, who gets to spend your holidays with you? How do you navigate having multiple partners and multiple subs um, in your day to day life? How does that work? Um, Who spends your birthday with you was the (laughs) was the like other uh, question.
1: um i mean are you
0: taking applications
1: i <laughs> ideally uh everyone like i do i do like the um that level of that, that level of poly ideal where you could have a dinner or something and have multiple partners like at that you know if they were comfortable with that um if if that's not comfortable or practical then you just do it the same way I would look at this the same as like you've got many friends, who spends what friend spends your birthday with you? Like it's an kind of an odd question the the minute you question it. Um it's uh I would try and find time on my birthday for any partner to see me who was available. If if they had free time the day before, then that's when I would see them. You know? I I don't think I'd really want to get into a situation where you're choosing one over another because of just who gets it more. Like that's a little like in a kind of hierarchy stuff, which I don't like. Um, so mm-hmm. I try and base it on more kind of practical things. I want to see um, everybody on a, on like a special day, you know, um, or on their birthday, same thing. So, yeah so really it would just come down to more more practical things rather than a kind of primary that feels like a kind of primary thing and um yeah i don't i i don't really want to do that kind of style uh, some people do but um yeah i i'd prefer it be each relationship is equal and unique and if there was like yeah a special a special day or like a birthday of of mine then um hopefully everyone could have lunch you know ideally
0: yeah i i love that and you know i'm just reflecting if people are listening they probably know a little bit about my dynamic that's how things have to work for me um i mean obviously i i have a primary situation because i'm married and that's what we chose you know before we knew that polyamory would be our lifestyle um But for me, it's very important that if I'm going to bring another partner into, you know, my life that they are full knowing, obviously, and also accepting and with the intention to be a part of community, Mm. Um, unless it's sort of something very specific that I want in a specific need I'm having met where I kind of want to keep something a little bit isolated. Um, For me, it's like that, which I just learned the term for this the other day, kitchen table polyamory, where it's like everyone, I just heard it where everyone could be at the same kitchen table and like hanging out. And, um, that's really, really important to both Pasha and I, um,
1: have you heard of birthday party polyamory?
0: No, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry.
0: are we making it up right now? Or is no, it- <laughs> no,
1: I, I, I read about it somewhere as a, a kind of alternative Kind of semi alternative to kitchen table for some people. Kitchen table sounds pretty intense, um, and a bit more like um, a bit of a leap ahead in time, you know, to be to have all the partners kind of your metas kind of connected on a kind of social level where you can all have dinner together just feels maybe a bit confronting for some people. Um, and I think I kind of understand it. And there's another one called birthday party where instead of literally immediately picturing you and your, you know, two, three, four partners at a table, you imagine, say it's like a birthday party, because like I just reminded because we were talking about it before, and, you know, maybe you're in a, in a yard, in, a, in like a backyard kind of party, you know, like a house party, and maybe there's 20 or 30 people there and maybe two or three of them are partners of yours and they're all at mm-hmm. the party. Now, they might not yes. sit next to each other. They might not engage at all because, you know, some people are like, oh, you know, I I know about um, Henry. <laughs> Henry's fine. I just don't have much in common with Henry. So, you know, we just say hello and it's almost like how you might talk to a coworker that you're not friends with, you know, and that's fine and healthy as long as it's, it is fine and healthy. Um, but you're happy to be at the party with them, you know, and you might have a conversation but you're just not that connected. And so, I feel like that's very easy to imagine and that's more accessible. So, even if you started seeing someone and you'd only just begun, you you might be comfortable enough to be at a party with them and know that these are the the other partners and maybe you've met them before or not. It's a good situation to meet other partners in because it's social and, you know, happy and wholesome. Um, And I feel like that level is... That's more my default setting. Like I like that kind of general social and comfort. Everyone knows everyone, you know, everything is aware and comfortable, but it's not a like that. The kitchen table kind of thing feels very, very connected and a little bit intense for me, I think. Um, I think it's really like it feels like a place you get to. For me, but then it's this thing, this is different for everybody. Some people, that's their instant model. They just want everyone immediately to be able to connect and be super friendly and comfortable. Um and um yeah, that's fine. Yeah. For me, I think it's more the social thing that is like that's definitely the kind of accessible ideal.
0: Totally. I'm so glad that I'm learning these terms because yeah, it's it's important to be able to identify and and not that because labels can be bad, too. I guess what I'm thinking is, you know, labels can re- be really limiting, but they could also be very liberating because maybe some people think, oh, well, if I want all my partners to know each other, then this is the way, right, that they have to get along. And so hearing this, it's like there's so many different ways to sort of have this dynamic and enter into it, yeah. move into different realms. Um as you're on your journey.
1: There's no no shoulds or rules. There always are the things I get so many questions of people with like should I or is it normal to but all that thinking is like that's what we're getting away from. It's all based on comfort. If you can be just as Polly, if you want to do parallel relationships, which is not birthday or kitchen table, it's aware and it's ethical, but you just keep those boundaries so that your relationship with that person is your relationship with that person and you don't kind of cross them over socially with other partners that's totally valid and okay and it's just to do with that person's comfort you know if there's um, an issue there it will come up you know if there's work to do whether it's like jealousy or insecurity wise if that's a defensive way of doing something to control something well that's okay like this is what we why we kind of build these relationships to in order to deal with our stuff, you know, so if you need that to feel safe, that's totally valid and fine. It shouldn't be pushed or argued with or challenged. Um, If you have insecurities, then um, they will be, you know, addressed and and grown through by doing these kind of relationships. You know, you can't do it in a way that just lets you coast, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. If, uh, if if people are listening who also just like both those things sound scary like kitchen table and birthday it's like well you could you could also still be multi partnered and it'd be ethical and fine and have just a par- parallel kind of structure and that's totally fine as well. I'm comfortable with both. Um, I've had both at the same time. Um, it's yeah, I'm fine with that because I just see it as like oh that's that's what's most comfortable for you. That's fine as long as you're comfortable. Um, And it's it's really just about getting the compatibility together so that everyone is comfortable, you know, which is a bit of spinning plates. But, um, you know, that's what we're here for, to spin plates.
0: Um, I was just actually going to make the comment that having just learned the term kitchen table polyamory. Um, and thinking like, oh, okay, cool. This is how I would identify. And then hearing you talk about birthday party, I'm like, oh no, I'm, I'm more birthday party because if I really think about the term kitchen table, it's where like my family would discuss like serious topics. Like if there was like a family talk that had to happen, it like happened at the kitchen table. So now I'm like rewinding and I'm like, yeah, kitchen table does seem kind of intense. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So
1: for me, and it it just comes down to like yeah, what you picture or what, how something feels. But kitchen table for me sounds like where you're in a almost a kind of triad situation, or you're basically like shit. Like you have you have um not just multiple partners, but your partners are partners. Like you have a kind of mm-hmm. very kind of like enmeshed, you know, like dynamic, you know, and so it kind of gets to that real communal level of of um of Polly, you know which is great but it feels like oh that's a place to like that you get to maybe like if that's what yeah. happens naturally and then you just naturally end up having dinner because your partners with them and two of them are seeing each other and you know maybe you're now good friends with another and why wouldn't you have dinner together you know but if it's just you and your three you know two or three partners That feels odd to have dinner to me, but it feels really lovely to be at a party together, you know, or go to the movies together. That feels beautiful. Um, Mm -hmm. It's Yeah, it's very like odd differences, I suppose, but um, finding what makes you comfortable and how you can explain it is really the whole point, you know, to be able to explain that and why it feels the way it does so someone else can hear you and go, oh, yeah, I get that. That's how that feels for me too. And then you know, okay, we're on the same page.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Okay, I think we have time for probably one more question. Um, I have a listener who is in a dynamic right now. It's a DS dynamic, and she has strong feelings for her DOM, um, and she knows that she's more monogamous. Like she feels that, like she wants to be with one person, and her DOM is polyamorous. So the question was really, will this work for me long term?
1: hmm that's a hard one i i like to think as polyamory and monogamy are relationship like choices um people can identify with them very very strongly and so i don't want to like you know enrage anyone but i don't see it as identity as identity so if she's monogamous and her dom is poly that's an incompatibility now it's a very serious one you know (laughs) So I'm not like dismissing it or minimising it, but it's not like saying, you know, uh, I'm a submissive. I need a dominant. My this partner I'm interested in is not a dominant. Is this going to work? And it's like, well, that might not work because that's an identity issue. That's a huge incompatibility, you know. But this is a style. This is more like you're vegan and they only eat meat. Um, it's a problem, but is it going to like make a relationship impossible? No, it's not going to make it impossible. It, it is difficult though it is an incompatibility. Um, now people that are monogamous have like had relationships with people who are poly just because you're monogamous doesn't mean you have to be poly to be with someone who is. The thing there is what is your comfort level like how does it feel to be with someone who will still have other partners? Is that really what you just want for yourself or is being monogamous? to you mean that your partner has to be monogamous because that's really where it gets into trouble. If what you are means someone else has to be, that's where I think monogamy really falls down because people usually are making the choice that they're monogamous purely on a kind of need to control or feel safe with who they're with. You know, It's really a security thing, which is not really about yourself. It's about what you fear and what you fear someone else might do which is, I don't think is a healthy place to make any kind of choice. Um, So if you can't imagine being comfortable and in a good place being with your dom and and your dom having other partners, then no, I don't think it's going to work. And you probably already know that. If you're open to trying something different or if you're open to them continuing and you being monogamous and that feeling comfortable, then maybe, you know, that that's how it would have to be. But it wouldn't be fair to even consider suggesting to them to be monogamous. Don't suggest someone else change their whole style. The same way your dom shouldn't say to you, oh, I want to be in a relationship with you, but you have to be poly. Like, no one should have to be anything. You just have to be your, whatever your thing is, but you've got to make that work with the other person. And that is definitely going to be hard. You know, with these two styles being so different, but it's not impossible. So, yeah, you know, it's not a straight answer. You're going to have to talk to your partner a lot and say that you would like to talk about this. You know, to look at it, to you know, figure it out together. And if it if it isn't something that can work, that doesn't mean anything negative. You can still be in you know a kind of dynamic relationship or or, or a friendship, but. What's most important is, I think, that you do air this out. You do raise this because you're thinking about it and you're interested in it. So it would be, I think, really good just for you to like just to bring it up as something that you've been thinking about.
0: Yeah, I would agree a hundred percent. And if anything that I can share, you know, in the the space of sort of polyamory, non monogamy, which is what I feel like I know really well. I think when a monogamous person is dating or, you know, in, in this type of relationship with a polyamorous person, it's such a beautiful opportunity to grow and to explore whatever uncomfortable emotions are coming up for you um, because it's going to, to test all of that. And at the end of the day, if you do that sort of emotional work and you find that all of your needs are being met, which is sort of how I measure like success of relationships. Um, If your polyamorous partner can still be meeting all of your needs and you feel safe and you feel seen and you're like completely full with your love and their love or whatever it is that you're getting out of the relationship, then I think it can still be like a really successful um, partnership. But there will likely be a lot of emotional work that comes with this dynamic. Um, which is kind of a blessing if you're willing to go there. I think it's really brave and it's, it's, um, it's not easy, but it's definitely worth it because uh, I know a few people who are monogamous that date, um, or, and are very committed to, um, people who are polyamorous. In fact, a couple of friend friends of mine that are getting married. So good luck and <laughs> keep me posted on your journey. I would love to to know how this pans out. Um, yeah. Okay. I have one last question. It's a quick one. So maybe this is, we can end with this, but, um, maybe it's not a quick one. We'll see your answer. Uh, someone asked what happens if someone doesn't want to call you, sir, is that a deal breaker for you? Is there an alternative title? Um, do they get labeled as a bratty sub? What happens in that situation?
1: Ah uh, I mean yeah, so yeah, titles um and uh, we call them honorifics as well, are very important um in kink because um just like labeling, they kind of connect to your identity, so they are very important, but again, the comfort thing is what's most important, so um just like I, as in my page with just general contact with um my followers on on instagram and and on patreon, I have a very like you know publicly repeatedly stated kind of my comfort is that i um do um i I am comfortable with being addressed as as sir or as the funny dom or tfd just to give the options because for some people sir might have a really strong meaning and they might have a partner who likes that and that that might be a kind of confusing thing Um, or it just might be uncomfortable because they associate it as a As a partner, you know, and others, for others, it's just purely a slightly dynamic, kind of formal way of addressing someone who has this kind of, you know, a dominant identity. So I I give options to allow for people's comfort because there's a spectrum to that. Um, For myself, I'm comfortable with it because for me, with partners, sir isn't my honorific, sir is the kind of formal. Beginning once we've kind of crossed the threshold, and this is a kind of established partner, um, I am daddy. That is my kind of identity. So I I maintain that and keep that, um, you know, past a boundary for my own comfort and for my own um, value of that. You know, someone saying that if 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 hundreds of people were using that regularly, I don't know how healthy that would be um, for me. So um, I kind of square that off a little bit. So, but if someone doesn't want to use it, uh that's totally fine. I would assume that there was one of those kinds of reasons they wouldn't have to explain it. We just find a different one. You know, you find a different title that feels comfortable for me and feels like that kind of dominant kind of respect, but also feels comfortable for you. So, um yeah, so it really just needs to feel good for, for both people. If someone you're talking to has a hard line on, you have to call me this and there's no, you know, there's no wiggle room or anything. There's no compromise or discussion around it. That's another, you know, flag, definitely a very vibrant orange, <laughs> if not red. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah. Those are my thoughts actually, when I saw this question come through, it's like, um, was there an experience there, previous experience where it was like. A hard rule. There was, you know, one title, sir, and that was that. Um, so yeah. Wow, we did it. Well, we blew through all of these questions. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm just I'm so glad that you sort of said, Yeah, you'd be happy to come back because I think having your episode released um this week that we're recording. I had so many interested people. And so I just want to thank you and also share with my listeners. Um, You can find The Funny Dom on Instagram and on Patreon. I'll let you share this as well. But I highly recommend um, all of you that are interested in this. And there were so many questions that I didn't get to, but I think I was able to sort of scoop up these concepts and um, put them into others. But feel free to reach out. to TFD and um explore the Patreon page because there's a lot there and there's so much education and please like don't sit don't put yourself on the shelf like heed all of this amazing advice and instruction maybe and just get out there because you really deserve to be having like the best sex of your life which then helps you explore yourself on a deeper level. Because at the end of the day, it's not really about sex. It's about connection. Um, and that's already what I've learned in our few brief conversations. So I appreciate you so, so much.
1: Oh, stop it. <laughs> Thank you. It's been, it's been lovely. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll have to come back again to hear more about whether you and your partner um, – did that, uh, like over the knee task that we talked about last time. I want to hear updates on that.
0: I know we didn't even get there. I like, and I had another idea, which I like jotted down. I was scribbling furiously. I would love to share that. Maybe that'll be like, we'll just have to do a monthly thing. Yeah. Um, because I do want to talk a little bit about what Posh and I are exploring. And, um, we touched on this in our very first episode, but I think we we skirted around it a little bit today, too. It's like there is a dark side to this space. And I think if someone who's really in, inexperienced enters into an unhealthy dynamic and it's sort of their first go at it, there are a lot of things that you're not going to realize. And sort of the beginning of our conversation had me thinking about that. And maybe we do an episode on safety. Mm. Um, I think that that could be really cool and interesting. So Yes. Yeah, if you're listening and that's that sounds exciting to you, um, let us know and we'll make it happen. But this has been such a pleasure.
1: Me too. This is yeah. This has been a really lovely way to start my day. I just had like my coffee before, and then great conversation and and questions. And if we couldn't get to anyone's questions, I do I do just uh, you know t- Q and A in my stories um, every week, and I do like direct. Kind of question and conversation um through my Patreon, so if people um, need more, then just get onto that and it's there and it's um already talked to so many people and it's like one of the best things I've ever done.
0: Amazing, thank you. Um why don't you share one more time the best places to find you? Of course, we'll link it in the show notes, but for those of my uh, listeners who are audio learners. <laughs>
1: <laughs> For those that are quick to mind and, and, um, good on taking immediate notes in real time. Uh, first off you're amazing. I definitely always need show notes and links. Um, but, um, yeah, if people are on, on Instagram now, just go to, um, the funny dom returns all one word. Um, and on Patreon, the Patreon link is on that Instagram page, um, to make it easy, but patreon link is just the patreon address and slash the funny dom Um, so if you go on patreon and search in their little search box and search the funny dom it should come up otherwise just find me on instagram i do memes every day and little story kind of sneak peeks um something a little bit naughty was in today's and um yeah find me there and reach out and say hello say you heard from open late um, you know, cause that would be great. Really cool to see people come through. So yeah, thanks so much.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for coming back. And I look forward to our third meeting. Okay, loves. Well, that's been another incredible episode. Um, I do just love giving you the content that you really want to hear. So, um, definitely DM me, write me, let me know what you want to Hear and see more of on Openly, and we'll bring it to you. So much love. Have a great week.
1: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.